0: What's happening y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today with the third annual Top 5 Sleepers video. As you guys know, I do this video every year on my birthday, so it is my 24th birthday as you guys are watching this right now. If that doesn't get you commenting down below for the YouTube algorithm, I don't know what will. The College football season's back in full swing. Hook them horns. I'm repping the Texas gear right now, but let's not waste any more time. You guys are here for one thing. That is my top five sleepers for 2022 fantasy football. Without further ado, let's get right into it. OK, so if you want to skip ahead right to the actual players list, I'm going to break down quickly the two archetypes of players that are going to be making up the top five sleepers so that even if I miss maybe your favorite sleeper, you can, if they fit into these two archetypes, realize that they're also probably a pretty good bet to make as well. So the main two archetypes that I target outside the top 100 picks, which to me is my definition of a sleeper outside the top eight to nine rounds overall in ADP is number one, ambiguous backfields. As you guys can see on the screen, these were the running backs outside the top 100 overall picks in ADP that posted a 10 plus percent win rate, which is what I would be considering a hit at their ADP. And a lot of these guys came from ambiguous backfields. For example, we had guys like James Conner. We had Devin Singletary. We had Darrell Williams. We had Ramondre Stevenson, Rashad Penny. And then obviously uh, guys like uh, Elijah Mitchell as well. Those guys came from backfields where we didn't exactly know what the split was going to be. We didn't know how the touches were going to be, you know, divvied up among the running backs present in that backfield with Conner. We knew it was going to be him and Chase Edmonds, but we didn't know how the split was going to work. Same goes with Darrell Williams. We figured Ceh would get a decent amount of the work, but we knew that there was probably going to be another guy in involved to some degree as well. Same goes with Stevenson, so on and so forth. Only the real guy that that finished in this area that was a, a known commodity was J.D. McKissick. We knew his role was going to be a pass-catching back for Washington. So for the most part, these ambiguous backfield targets, if you're going to draft a running back late, are the guys that you want to go after. And I actually you know, kind of took the liberty of going back t- since 2017 and kind of documenting the percentage of hits, those 10-plus percent win rate running backs that went late in the draft which ones were ambiguous backfields, which ones were handcuffs, which ones were just pass catching guys. And for the most part, 75% were ambiguous backfields. So you're best taking shots on backfields where we don't know how the split's going to work out. You're a lot of people assume on late in the draft, just draft a bunch of handcuffs. I mean, it's good to have a couple handcuffs on your team or a handcuff or two, but for the most part, you want to be targeting these backfields where we don't know what's going to happen necessarily. So most of the time, the best late round guys are guys that we aren't certain about. And uncertainty is your friend late in the draft because a lot of people avoid uncertainty. It's a natural psychological tendency of human beings. And number two, we have young wide receivers. This is the other archetype of player that I like targeting late in drafts, specifically first and second year wide receivers. So rookies and second year wide receivers Uncertainty is your friend and the thing that we know about young receivers is that we don't know how good of players they are that's where the uncertainty comes in with those guys and those guys have not proven it yet otherwise they'd be uh, being drafted a lot higher they'd be being drafted you know in the Amon Ross St. Brown range or, or hell they might be being drafted in the Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase range for those elite guys. But the second year guys, these, these rookie receivers are definitely your friends late in the drafts because not a lot of people will know exactly what to think of them. If you did your homework back in the NFL draft season, then you guys might have a leg up on which receivers uh, are better than others. Every sleeper in this video will fit into one of those two archetypes. Like I said, and even guys that I don't talk about could fit into those categories and make for decent sleepers as well. So for example, I'm not going to talk about George Pickens in this video, but he is a young wide receiver. So I do consider him a decent sleeper as well, just to give you an example. So number five on this list, and we are getting to the official list now is Christian Watson, Christian Watson going off the board, 163rd overall ADP with the wide receiver 71 price tag. I have him ranked as the wide receiver 51, 111th overall. So I have him well ahead of, of his ADP, and there's a lot of appeal to Christian Watson. For starters, we have the obvious case, right? He plays for Green Bay, he was drafted in the second round, and Aaron Rodgers no longer has Devontae Adams. So that's the easy case for Christian Watson. But here's the underrated part about Christian Watson, and underrated is not a word that I thought I'd be using to describe Christian Watson, because back during the Dynasty rookie draft season, he was a guy that I thought was going to be overrated as a result of the Green Bay landing spot. And for those of you guys that don't know who Christian Watson is, you're just coming back to fantasy football, maybe you're doing some last-minute cramming for your draft, check out the playlist watch this video if you're panicking for your drafts if you're doing that but I'll quickly recap his prospect profile He's six foot four, 208 pounds. He ran in the four threes at the combine. Watson came from a small school in North Dakota State University where he was hyper efficient, but his raw production numbers aren't impressive, right? You can see like 800 yards, seven touchdowns. But relative to North Dakota's passing game, that was pretty good because they didn't throw the ball very much, only like 2,000 passing yards total. So him having 800 of those is actually more impressive than it seems. He tore up the senior bowl. He tore up the combine. And he was one of the darlings of the NFL draft among those circles. And this is the sleeper appeal with Christian Watson. The hype train for him could have been out of this world this offseason. If he was on the field in training camp, getting training camp reports, playing preseason games, we could have been talking about a guy that rolls all the way up to like a seventh, eighth round redraft pick. But the nice thing about Christian Watson is that he got injured during training camp and missed all of the preseason as a result. And he snuck under the radar as kind of like a sleeper as a result, causing guys like Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard and other players on the Green Bay Packers to be hyped up as a result. But I think people don't realize that this is the most talented receiver in this receiving core. He was drafted 202, which is nearly a first round pick. You're getting the only wide receiver on this team with the real potential to become the number one receiver for this team. Because. I broke down Alan Lazard, why I don't think he can be anything. And Romeo Dobbs was a late round rookie who I guess technically also still could become the number one of this team, but I just don't think he was that good of a prospect. So I'm going to bet on Watson instead. And I didn't think I would be betting on Watson because I was out on this guy from a dynasty perspective. And the reason I'm in on him now is because the preseason injury knocked his ADP all the way down to a dart throw instead of a top eight to 10 round pick where I expected him to go. So he's a great guy to go after late in the draft to get some upside. Another guy to go after late in the draft for some upside is running back Tyrion Davis price for the San Francisco 49ers. He is also another rookie and spoiler alert. Everybody on this list is a rookie RB 56. 177th overall is where he's going off the board right now. I have him ranked RB49, 132 overall. So he fits into the ambiguous backfield conversation and there's no more ambiguous backfield than Kyle Shanahan's. In fact, we've seen Matt Breida and Elijah Mitchell since 2017 hit those 10 plus percent win rates coming from the late rounds of drafts because their backfield is so ambiguous. I broke down why I'm out on Elijah Mitchell in the bus video if you guys want to check it out. My philosophy on this backfield has pretty much been over the past couple of years, I'll just take a shot at whoever the cheapest option is because I don't really know what Kyle Shanahan's going to do. And that would have led you to draft Elijah Mitchell last year. And for some reason, it seems like whoever's going the highest ADP in ADP for the San Francisco 49ers is not the guy that ends up leading the backfield in fantasy points. Now we go to Tyrion Davis price, who was a third round pick out of LSU. He has four, four speed Trey Sermon and Jamichael hasty who were two of the five main running backs in this backfield. They were waived during final cutdown. So in this backfield, we now only have Elijah Mitchell, who enters the season with a hamstring injury, as I kind of talked about in the bus video. And we have Jeff Wilson who has a role and it seems like Kyle Shanahan likes him, but he's realistically just a guy. And we have Tyrion Davis-Price. As your 15th round pick, I think Tyrion Davis-Price is an awesome dart throw in drafts because you should both know what you have in week one. If Elijah Mitchell's dominating the snaps and Jeff Wilson's the number two, you can either safely drop TDP or you can just hold on to him. And uh, if you have the open spot on your bench, he's a good stash to have. So I think he's a great guy to fill out your bench with as a, you know, late round running back player that could end up turning into something. What's his ceiling? I'm not exactly sure because this is the 49ers we're talking about. Elijah Mitchell could get injured. Tyrion davis Price could be thrust into a big role and the rest could be history on the season or we could be talking about a guy that just gets some spot starts and you never know how to start him or when to start him. So um he's a guy that I'm very, very interested in nonetheless. Number three on this list is David Bell, who is going off the board as the wide receiver 84, 198th overall player. I have him ranked wide receiver 56. 126th overall. And I'm using underdog ADP for David Bell because multi-site ADP doesn't even have him listed in the top 100 wide receivers because I guarantee you will not have to spend anything more than your final round pick on David Bell. I got him, for example, in the 19th round of the Big Dogs Bash, and he probably would have went undrafted had I not drafted him. So I'm not really sure why he's going so low because, like I said, he fits that archetype that we're looking for. He's a rookie wide receiver. He was a day two pick top three round draft pick to the Cleveland Browns. And another thing I like looking for when it comes to rookie wide receivers is getting the ones that can get on the field right away. And the Cleveland Browns don't have a ton at wide receiver. They have Amari Cooper, who, as I talked about in the bus video, is pretty overrated. They also have you know some unproven guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz and a, a number of other dudes that haven't really proven anything in the NFL yet. Because all a wide receiver needs to do when you're a rookie like David Bell is get out there running routes. And if you're a talented player, then you have the ability to earn targets. Bell was a prospect that I also really liked coming out of the draft as a late first, early second round rookie pick in rookie drafts, because he reminded me so much of a Monroe St. Brown of like a young Jarvis Landry type where he's not going to wow you with athleticism, but he's ability, his ability to get open to command targets and to do something, make sure he catches the ball, turn it up field for some yards after the catch is what made him good in college. The issue with David Bell's game is the fact that he ran in the four sixes. Nobody wanted to draft him super high in NFL draft circles because he ran slow. But we know from countless videos I've done this entire offseason, if you guys have been around here for a while, that the most predictive metrics of fantasy wide receiver success are production related and production related metrics is exactly where David Bell shined as a prospect. 30% target share over the last two years in college, 94th percentile breakout age. He had a 1000 yard season in 2019, playing alongside a future second round pick in Rondell Moore. And he actually outproduced him, out-targeted him at age 19 in college at Purdue with terrible quarterback play. So David Bell really showed me a lot on his college tape. I also just think he's a good player when I watched him. We have a team in Cleveland now who is probably going to be run heavy and not a very good offense to begin the season because they don't have Deshaun Watson. And I voiced my displeasure with drafting Amari Cooper for that reason. But if I'm lower on Cooper, I have to be higher on somebody in this offense. And to me, that, that somebody is David Bell and also David Njoku as well. So worst case scenario, you draft David Bell with your 16th round pick or your 15th round pick. And after a couple of weeks, he's not out there running routes. He's not on the field yet. And you just drop him, no harm, no foul. But best case scenario, you got a guy that is out there running routes right, right away. And he's out there commanding targets right away. And because he's a young receiver, he should have a lot of trade value at the very least if not a guy that I think can legitimately be a favorite target of Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is not a downfield passer. Amari Cooper is going to be on the outside trying to beat number one corners. David Bell probably might work his way into the slot and could be an easy target for Jacoby Brissett over the middle. And we saw when Tua was out last year, Jacoby Brissett was targeting Jalen Waddle like crazy over the middle in the slot. And same goes for Mike Isicki as well. So if Jacoby Brissett's going to start for most of the year. I think David Bell can carve out a role in this offense. And for the 15th round, 16th, 17th round price tag that you're going to get him, I think he is definitely worth taking a shot on. And again, another rookie, Tyler Algier, my number two sleeper on the season. RB 49, 148th overall pick off the board. I have him ranked at RB 43, 123rd overall pick off the board. And this is another ambiguous backfield situation. We know one thing about the Falcons backfield is that Cordero Patterson is going to be involved, but we really don't know how much. Last year, he had 150 carries. But was the drafting of Tyler Algier a sign that they want to use Cordero Patterson maybe in more of a Debo Samuel wingback role and not as much as a traditional running back, which we saw from him last year? I had Algier as a top five back in the class. And I know he fell to the fifth round, which is not ideal, but I had him as my RB4 in the class ahead of Damian Pierce, ahead of Brian Robinson, ahead of Rashad White, ahead of all these guys because I thought he was extremely talented. He had good hands. He's physical. He's big. He had some wiggle for a five 5'10", 225-pound former linebacker who can also pass protect at a high level as well. He was also very productive in college. His final two years, he was carrying a big workload in 2020 alongside Zach Wilson at BYU. He was very, very efficient. 13 touchdowns, 1,100 yards and only 150 carries. Zach Wilson goes off to the NFL. And then in 2021, he's the workhorse of this offense. 276 carries, 1,600 rushing yards, 23 touchdowns, and a 10% target share is not too shabby for a big running back like that. I think he reminded me a lot of James Robinson when I watched him. He's just a guy that can do everything well. He's not going to do anything spectacular. He's got like four, six flat speed, but he's a big back and he's very good at using his size and he also had a good preseason as well initially we heard some mixed reports that you know the falcons were going to say initially that he's going to be the starting running back and then we had a report come out that he's like eighth on the depth chart but then we saw in actual preseason games he uh he started to build up trust in that coaching staff In the first and second preseason game, he wasn't playing any snaps with the ones. Then in the third preseason game, we actually saw him get on the field, start to play some first team reps. And that progression is something that I'm very enamored with because according to PFF, he was the most productive, the most efficient runner during the preseason for the Falcons. And he was also the highest graded running back pretty much across the board. And we finally saw that run with the starters in that final preseason game. He was a fifth round rookie, so he's got to earn the job. And based on what I saw from the guy in college, I think he is clearly the best runner in that backfield. Cordero Patterson's the most dynamic player in that backfield, but he has a number of different ways that he can be used. And Arthur Smith kind of proved to us last year that he knows how to use Cordero Patterson. And I think Tyler Algier is going to be basically what Mike Davis was last year, except with a little bit more juice, a little bit more energy behind that. I think he's a great zero RB target. If you guys are running zero RBs or hero RBs who could turn into a mid RB two, if he can win that job. And he also could get out to a very, very good start to the season and be one of the big, big waiver wire ads that everybody's chasing after week one. If he comes out and he has 18 carries in the first game, it would not shock me one bit. And also he'll be a guy that everybody's going to be talking about, drop your whole fab budget on and all that kind of stuff. So if you already have him on your team, then you can at least use him as a trade chip. If you don't want to hold on to the Falcons starting running back, for example, at that point in time. So before we get into my number one sleeper, quick recap of the two number one sleepers I've had in the previous two years. Last year was Elijah Moore, two years ago was Antonio Gibson. So To some degree, I've hit on my last two number one sleepers, but this year, my number one sleeper is Jahan Dotson, wide receiver from the Washington Commanders, currently going off the board as the wide receiver 59, 145th overall player. I have him ranked as wide receiver 44 as my 91st overall player. So let me go back to my previous points that I just made about David Bell and some of the other rookie wide receivers. My case for all of these rookie wide receivers has been the unknown factor, right? And obviously Jahan Dotson has that as well as another rookie. Dotson was also drafted the highest out of these guys. He was taken 16th overall in the NFL draft and the commanders did not reach on him because by all accounts, it sounded like the Packers and the chiefs and all these other teams were very in on Dotson towards the end of the first round as well. So that should indicate he should be the most talented of any of the guys that I talked about on this list. And unlike David Bell, I have zero questions about Jahan Dotson's ability to get on the field right away because we've seen it in preseason games. He took 22 of 22 first team preseason snaps in week one of the preseason, which was more than Terry McLaurin took. And in preseason week two, he took 18 of 19 snaps with the first team. And then in preseason week three, he got the night off. So this is clearly a starter. He's going to start alongside Terry McLaurin in two wide receiver sets. He's going to be out there. He'll probably be moved around the formation a little bit. We know that routes are given, targets are earned. So he already has the ability to be on the field earning targets by the fact that he's been given the routes. And Dotson's prospect profile was a little bit polarizing for some people in the dynasty community because he was a late declare. He was a senior. He didn't, you know, declare early as a junior, which most, you know, analytics spreadsheet nerds really like players to do. I broke down this entire class. Uh, in the pinned video on our page titled Wide Receivers to Target and Avoid. And while Dotson didn't check every single box that we want a wide receiver prospect to check, he did check the five most important boxes, which were target share, market share, production, draft capital, and being faster than a 4 6 wide receiver. So Jahan Dotson was definitely a good prospect for the most part. He was my wide receiver for. In the class pre-draft, he does everything you want a wide receiver to do. He gets open. He's got the best hands in the class, in my opinion. He is great after the catch as well. This guy toasted zone coverage at an elite rate last year in college. Only Garrett Wilson was better among the power five prospects in this class with a 96th percentile success rate against zone coverage for Jahan Dotson. Terry McLaurin's there. He's going to get his targets, but this team actually threw the ball at a top 12 rate in neutral situations since Ron Rivera has been the coach there at 57%. So there's not much else after McLaurin in this depth chart. And if Dotson is the talent, that I think he can be in the talent that I saw from him at Penn state. I don't think JD McKissick and Curtis Samuel and any of the guys that are present there are going to be taking targets away from a superstar caliber prospect, which is what I believe Dotson has the ability to do. Jahan Dotson, if he's the talent, I think he can be. And the talent, you know, ring from Washington camp has been very strong, right? Beat reporters, coaches, players, they're all talking about how good Jahan Dotson is. If he's that player, he's definitely going to be the second receiver on this team. I could see him carving out 100, 110, 120 targets on the season even if Terry McLaurin carves out 140, 150 targets. So Jahan Dotson, a guy that I am very, very high on, my number one sleeper in fantasy football drafts this year. Make sure that you guys line your bench with some of these players. And like I said, even if you don't agree with everybody I talked about, line your bench with similar archetypes, rookie wide receivers, second year wide receivers, ambiguous backfield situations, some pass catching running backs, some handcuffs, those are typically the type of players you want to draft on your bench. Don't be drafting, you know, second quarterbacks and second tight ends after you already drafted, let's say Jalen Hurts and George Kittle in the first couple of rounds. There's no reason to do that. Just draft the archetypes of players that I talked about in this video. And a quick honorable mention as well, Pat Fryermuth almost made this list. I wanted to keep it all rookies just for shits and gigs, but Pat Fryermuth, another guy that I think is a great sleeper tight end this year. He's going very close to the top 100 in ADP. So, I'm kind of playing it flat, uh, fast and loose with the word sleeper, but I do think Pat Fryermuth is being slept on as a guy that could be a top five tight end this year after the target potential that he showed his rookie season. So remember that your early round guys are your moneymakers. A lot of fantasy players will ask me, hey, Bush, who's your you know biggest sleepers this year? That's important and they can help you win a championship. But I think the early rounds are much more important. So make sure to add in this sleeper analysis with the other videos on our channel talking about early round draft strategy picks one to four, five to eight, nine to 12, my best draft strategy video, all those videos doing really well. So. Appreciate the support on those. So I hope you guys enjoyed this video. Leave a like, comment anything down below. If you wanna comment down below and wish me happy birthday, definitely appreciate it. If you wanna comment down below that I'm a piece of shit for engagement farming my birthday, you can comment that as well. It all works in the algorithm. We definitely appreciate any and all comments. Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. Check out the pinned comment to get access to our rankings if you guys are interested. The puppy four is dropping on Monday. It'll fill probably in two or three days after it drops. So if you guys want one last chance for great prizes on underdogfantasy.com, Best Ball Mania 3 is also 90% filled right now. $10 million in total prizes, $2 million to first, $1 million to second, $1 million to the regular season champion, only for a $25 entry to try and take that thing down. So if you guys want to take your fantasy football knowledge to the test for your chance to win some big prizes, use promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit on Underdog Fantasy. You'll get 100% back up to $100 on whatever you put in. So if you put in 100 bucks, you'll have 200 on the site to play with. That is eight bullets in the chamber to try and take down Best Ball Mania 3 or many bullets in the chamber to enter a bunch of Puppy 4 drafts. And as a thank you for using our code, you'll also get our rankings manifestos. If you guys are interested in our Dynasty rankings, redraft rankings, we will definitely give you those as well if you still have a draft left or if you just want our Dynasty rankings during the season. And to get our weekly rankings, you guys can also check out our Patreon as well. If you guys are curious about start, sit decisions, check out the Patreon as well. We have a tier called the Question Master where you can get all of your questions answered over there as well. So with that being said, guys, peace out and we'll talk to you soon.